everyone, Dave Therrien here. Thank you for joining us today. We are New Hope Radio, here for your spiritual enjoyment. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you tune in so you can learn and grow and discover what life is like in the Christian faith. That's what we do here. You know, as I think about it, I'm coming to believe more and more that many Christians today, they're not really kingdom-oriented. What do you think? I think most Christians are kingdom-oriented. As I watch, you know, the national programs, Christian programs, radio, television, doesn't seem to be a lot of kingdom-orientation. What do you think? It, it seems like what's happening today is that People are making their Christianity all about them. I thought it was supposed to be about Christ, but I don't know. Somewhere along the line, it became about us. And when I say us, I mean, you know, our wants and desires. God, here's what I want. Not thinking too much about what God wants, but really thinking a lot about what we want. So ask yourself, how much do I really think about the kingdom of God? And how about this part? His part too. How active am I in expanding it? That's an important topic as well, because we're going to see today some things that Jesus said about the kingdom and about expanding the kingdom and how important it is to orient our lives to that. Uh, that's what this whole series is about. Life-changing principles. Want to change your life? A little? I do. A lot. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. So these principles are so important. Now, unfortunately, because Satan deceives the whole world, the church has also fallen into this deception. Oh, we got to be so careful. Got to watch out. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, you know when he began his ministry? You know what his message was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. And then in Mark 1, when Jesus began his ministry, you know what his message was? Follow me, and I'll make you fishes of men. Then, Jesus' first public appearance, you know where it was? In the synagogue. And he read from the scroll of Isaiah. And this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That's what his message was. A little later in the same chapter, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. You know, sometimes people want Jesus, oh, stay here. We like you. Stay here. No, I got to keep moving. I've got to go to other cities. This is why I came. So, folks, this is the spirit of the Gospels. And the spirit 
of which we need to be living in as we study and live for Christ. The purpose about learning Jesus is that it would inspire us, motivate us, encourage us to live for him, learn about him, and live for him. That's the combination. That's the that's the one-two punch. Learn about him, live for him. And the end result is we're expanding the kingdom of God. And people we all know and love are coming to saving faith in Christ. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 today, in verse 7. And Jesus gave this little sermon, and I wonder how people interpret it. We're going to try to interpret it the best way we think it should be interpreted, and not the way the majority of people interpret this little sermon. And here's what Jesus said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, oh yeah, and it will be opened to you. And then he went on, for everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you? Oh, when a son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who was in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? So I want us to understand that when we interpret this little sermon that Jesus gave, remember he's bringing in his heavenly Father. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Now the word ask, it refers to a want. You ask for what you want. Seek refers to a loss, right? You look for something that you've lost. And then knock refers to earnestness. Remember Jesus told the parable about the friend at midnight? Kept knocking on the door, open up, open up. Guy said, no, man, we're all sleeping, go home. He said, oh, I got company, I need some food. And the guy got up and gave him some food, not because he was his friend, but because he wouldn't stop knocking, let him go to <laughs> let him go to sleep. Here, take the food, now get out of here. That's earnestness, perseverance, okay? So think about this. We ask for what we want, we seek for what we've lost, and we knock in earnestness, we persevere. Another man said, no, you ask for what we wish, we seek for what we miss, and we knock for that which we feel ourselves shut out. Okay, lesson number one. Let me give you a grammar lesson. Ask, seek, and knock. They're all verbs. That signifies action. It's also a command. So it means this is something that we are told to do. And it's a present tense. Signifies keep on doing it. Do it today. And then when tomorrow comes, do it tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, do it again. Okay? And it's in the plural. So it's for everybody. So God is commanding us. He is. Jesus is saying, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to ask. You need to seek. And you need to knock. And here we see an ascending scale of intensity. Ask means to plead. Seek is plead plus act, right? 
and knock is plead plus act plus persevere. Right? Can you see it? Ask means it's a verbal thing to plead. Seek means now there's action. I'm going to plead plus I'm going to go look. I'm going to act on it. And then knocking, I'm going to plead plus I'm going to act and I'm going to not stop till I get it. I'm going to persevere. Now, why did Jesus speak this way? What do you think? I like the way Alexander McLaren, the old Scottish preacher, the way he said it. And now this is his words, not mine, but imagine back a hundred years ago, this was his message, and I wonder if it would fit today. Here's what he said. Some of you are all fire in one place, and you're all frost in the other. You Christian men and women, you give the kingdom as much as you give the world. Ooh. And you should be strong and growing Christians. And then he closed with, If you will not, do not wonder that you are so feeble as you are. Now this is the Scottish preacher from a century ago. And even then, with all, when they didn't have the technology that we have today, people were still worldly. And the Christians were worldly. And today we have Christians that are very worldly. And you know how you can tell? Because they're feeble in their faith. Oh, yeah. You know, you can talk a good faith, but how are you when the pressure's on? Now, here's what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean when Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, it doesn't mean ask for anything that you want and God will give it to you. That's not what he's talking about. And how do we know? Because he's giving the analogy of the earthly father. He's using the earthly father as an example of answering the request of a child. And he said, what man is there among you who when his son will ask for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? He won't do that. So what's the subject of the of the request? The child is asking for a loaf of bread or a piece of fish. It's interesting how Jesus used those. I wonder if he knew there was a miracle coming that was going to involve loaves and fish. Huh, that's pretty good. So what are, what are, what is bread and fish? The necessities of life. Okay. So the father grants to the child what the child rightly will ask for. But he will not grant to the child what the child wrongly will ask for. Who's asking? The son. Not a stranger. Not an alien. Not an enemy. A son of the father. And these requests, they're for bodily nourishment, right? So could Jesus be speaking about a spiritual nourishment as well? He is the bread of life, and he comes that no one will hunger. So earlier Jesus said, remember we talked about this last time, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. So, you know, you don't give something to that which will not appreciate it. Dogs don't appreciate, and pigs don't appreciate, you know. Dogs don't appreciate holy things, and pigs don't appreciate fine jewelry. Don't waste it on them. And we talked about 
sharing the not sharing the gospel with people that will mock it. You don't do that. The earthly father will not give that which deceives his son. He won't give him, even if he asks for the wrong thing, he won't give it. If the son asks for a stone, he's not going to give it to him. If he asks for a snake, he's not going to give it to him. He will only give him that which nourishes. Now, let's turn this request around. What if the child saw a stone thinking it was bread and he asked for it? That'd be a wrong request. The father said, no. What if he saw a snake and he thought it was a fish? He said, dad, can I have that? Wrong request. No, you can't have that. That's not good for you. It's not healthy. He would not give that which is harmful. He would only give that which is nourishing. And Jesus wants us to know when we go to the Father, the things that we ask that are nourishing, He will give. But the things that we ask that are harmful, He will not. And sometimes we ask for something, we think it's nourishing, but it's harmful. And God can see into the future and He knows, no, that's not good. No. You're asking for something that might make you happy today, but down the road it's going to make you miserable. I'm not giving it to you. Because I know. I know the end result. So in verse 11 of Matthew 7, he said, Listen, if you then, being evil, that means parents are not perfect, you you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Well, your father, who's perfect, he's in heaven, will give what is good to those who ask him. Oh, how much more? We must remember that God is the all-wise God. He doesn't give everything that we ask just as no parent would. No earthly parent gives everything to the child that they ask. They don't. You wouldn't be a good parent if you did because foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And sometimes they ask for foolish things. God is not unkind, and neither is the earthly father unkind that withholds that which the child desires. But the father knows it's not the best thing. And you know, James made a commentary on this later, long after the days of Jesus. And James said in James 4.3, talking to his church, you ask and you do not receive. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. But you're not going to get what you're asking, seeking, and knocking for. You know why? Because you ask with the wrong motives, James said, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Oh. Remember when we started this message, we talked about the kingdom of God. How focused are we on God's kingdom? And how much does the kingdom of God play out in our prayer life? In our seeking, in our asking, seeking, and knocking. How much is the kingdom mentioned in that? In comparison to the mentioning of self. Oh, what I desire, what I would like, what I want. As James says, our pleasures, our pleasures. Pleasures are selfish rather than godly motives in the case of serving God. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God for what you desire. But again, we don't become, we don't, we don't want to become unbalanced in our prayer life. It's all about me. Never about the kingdom. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom done, thy kingdom come. See, it's about the kingdom of God. 
We should be so oriented to the kingdom of God. It saturates our prayer life. God will never refuse our prayers. And you know what? He'll never mock our prayers. God appreciates our prayers. But sometimes, if we ask with wrong motives, He's not going to deliver. That's all. But He's still our Heavenly Father. You know, the ancient Greeks, they had their stories about the gods who answered men's prayers, but often with a double-edged answer or a double-edged gift. Aurora, the goddess of the dawn in Greek mythology, she fell in love with Tithonus, a mortal youth. So you've got this goddess and this mortal youth, and she fell in love with him. And the Greek story says that Zeus, the king of the gods, offered her any gift that she might choose for her mortal lover. Aurora chose that Tithonus might live forever. But she forgot to ask that he might remain young forever. And he did live forever, but he grew older and older and older. The gift became a curse. Now that's actually a belief system of the ancient Greeks. Our God is not like that. Our God does not deceive us. As a matter of fact, he gives better than what we ask. Sometimes we don't shoot high enough. Sometimes we don't trust God enough. Or we don't, how about this? Maybe we don't persevere enough. You know, we should be diligent in the things we go to God for. He answers our prayers in perfect wisdom and in perfect love. Think about that. God doesn't separate his wisdom from his love. And though he loves us eternally, his wisdom still plays a part. And that stops his love from becoming, here it comes, sentimental. Sentimental love can lead people astray. But when God loves us in his wisdom, we'll never be led astray. Like the little boy, he saw a stone, he thought it was bread. Daddy, can I have that? Father said, no, son. Why, Daddy, I'm hungry. Because that looks like a, it looks like bread, but it's not. It's a stone. And that's a reality. Remember when Jesus went up into the wilderness after John baptized him? And he fasted for 40 days, and who shows up? That dirty devil. And what did he do? What did he say to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, you hungry? It always amazed me how Jesus entertained Satan. You know, even after the rebellion in eternity passed, Satan shows up face to face and Jesus entertains him. He converses with him. I would have like, <laughs> you're gone, devil. But he's right. Hey, so Jesus, man, you must be hungry 40 days, huh? Yeah, I'm a little hungry. See those stones? Yeah. Don't they look like pita breads? Yeah, they do. They certainly do. They look like pita breads. Hey, listen, Jesus, why don't you like turn one of them into bread? Just one. Just take one. It already looks like bread anyway. Just turn it into bread and eat it. It's all right. You're hungry. What did Jesus say? He said, no, man. I don't live by bread alone. I have to live by every word of God. So 
You see, if I if I took that bread, that natural rock, and turned it into bread, I would be disobeying the word of God. It's not what I came for. And that would neutralize my mission. So the word of God is more important than my natural food. And by the way, when Jesus was at the well in Samaria, and he met the woman there, and he sent the disciples away to get some food, and they came back, and they said, Master, eat. He said, I ate. Where'd you get the food? I have food of which you know not of, for my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. So Jesus always puts the spiritual above the natural. In our own prayer life, we may think we're asking for bread, but in reality, we're asking for a stone. So according to the divine scheme of things, we have to know the will of God in order to pray for the things that God would desire. And I believe that God wants us to pray for the things that nourish the soul. It does. Pray for the things that nourish the soul and expand the kingdom. You know, when when you're involved in kingdom work, your soul is satisfied. Your soul is filled. I mean, come on. How have you felt after witnessing to someone and they receive Christ? Top of the world. Have you felt after going to church and your your pastor delivered an incredible sermon on top of the world? See, your soul has been nourished. It also appears that if we stick with the context, Jesus, yeah, he is speaking about the kingdom. Matthew 6 is all about the kingdom of God. Jesus began his sermon with, remember in, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, that was Matthew 5, 3, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He, Jesus was here to preach the kingdom. He said, we're salt and light. Why? To expand the kingdom of God. He said, pray, thy kingdom come, that will be done. He said, do not store up treasures on earth, but store them up in heaven for the kingdom. He said, don't worry about what to wear or what to eat, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek that first. This seems to be the meaning of what Jesus is conveying when he says, ask, seek, and knock. Remember, Jesus is not about earthly things. He's not. He's about heavenly things. That's what he's about. He loves the kingdom. He loves his Father. He loves the souls of men. And he wants to do everything that he can to bring the souls of men into his kingdom. Isn't that why he came? Isn't that his message? Indeed it is. And you know what he's done? He's given us an opportunity to be part of that message. Matter of fact, to be instrumental in conveying that message. And we all have a part in it. We can play a role. All we have to do is ask, seek, and knock for the things that are concerning God. That's all. You know, we can pray about anything. But man, don't leave out kingdom prayers. Don't leave that out. That will be done. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There are so many people. You know what? We're living in a world today, man. It's like, it's going to explode. You know it. It's going to explode. It's an urgency now for the souls of men. Souls of men. The souls of pe- I say men in a generic form. For the souls of people. There's an urgency. And our lives mean more now to people in this century, probably than ever before. Because we are on the verge, I believe, of an introduction of end times events. I mean, this world is looking at a craziness that we've never seen before. And the church is the hope of the world. Because we have that treasure in our earthen vessels. And what is that treasure? Oh, it's the gospel. It's the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ. That God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, well, God so loved the world that he sent his son, that whoever believes in him will never perish. They can live forever with God. Not live forever apart from God. Live forever with God. And you know, when the Spirit of God is alive inside of you, every person you see that's lost, you have a burden for them. Oh, you can feel it. You have a burden. You see them in the store, and you know they're so lost, and you have a burden. You see them in the checkout line. They're so lost, and you have a burden. Wherever you see people, you look and say, oh, they're so lost. They are on the wide road that leads to destruction. What can I do? Ask. Seek. Knock. Three things. And do that with regard to God's kingdom. Oh man, that'll not only make a difference in the life of people, it'll make a difference in your life too. Thanks for coming along today. You can find our podcast, this radio messages, at newhopecc.tv. You can also go to newhoperadio.live and join the Hope Club. We'd love you to join the Hope Club. We're going to send you out a devotional Monday through Friday, and you're going to send me $3 a week so we can stay on the radio. We need the funds. Oh, yes, we do. If, if the program helps you a little bit, maybe you can send in a little bit, $3. So we can do this every day. We're thankful for the station that we're on. And we want to be here with you as long as we can. Next time we're going to see, oh, the golden rule. What's the golden rule? What does that mean? And it is, it, it, is it alive and well in my life? We'll check that out next time right here on New Hope Radio.